1: Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the pound for pound podcast here on the fight game media network This is your host the OGRS the original great Rob Silver and today is a jam-packed show Consider that there weren't a lot of great fights last weekend This is a jam-packed show Quick rundown, I will go over the two big fights from England this past Saturday one, a shocking upset, talk more about that soon I will talk about some major fights that have been either signed or are going to be signed And um, all three are very great matchups So I'll talk about that uh, Another extended Q&A session And I will finish the podcast reading an article I wrote over a year ago On my 11th greatest fighter Of the last 45 years, and that is the greatest fight ever to come out of the continent of Asia, the Filipino master, Manny Pacquiao, the Pac-Man. But first, for those of you who haven't subscribed yet for $5 a month on the Patreon exclusive bonus website for $5 a month, you will get starting next month. And we we the next month's right around the corner. This show comes out on January twenty fifth. I will be recording my first segment of the life and times of Muhammad Ali this coming weekend, and it should be released sometime in early February. A ten part series on the greatest performances and fights of Muhammad Ali's career. I will begin. The very first episode talking about the rematch, March of 1965, Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston. I will talk about what was going on in the United States at the time, what was going on in Muhammad Ali's career at the time. We will talk about the assassination of Malcolm X. All of this, I wasn't born yet. I wasn't born until 1968. All of this stuff is my recollection of what my father told me was going on. During that turbulent time in American history. And Muhammad Ali was right there in the middle of it. So that's the very first episode. Uh, You also, once you subscribe, you can go back and listen to my 10-part series. It's complete of the greatest upsets in boxing history. One of them is a precursor to this Muhammad Ali series. And that is Ali, when he was known as Cassius Clay, upset Of Sonny Liston February of 1964 I highly recommend it please you I would only tell you to do this if I knew it was quality shit this Muhammad Ali podcast series that I'm about to do on the patreon page of the fight game media network it's going to be some of the best work I've ever done I can anticipate it I could tell. now on to The fights from this past Saturday night And the first fight we're going to talk about Is Joseph Parker Who a decade ago I said on another boxing podcast That I thought he was going to be the next great thing Um, The biggest win of his career Was his 12 round decision over, uh, over Andy Ruiz To win the vacant WBO title Like it looks like it was several years ago But since then he's Since then, he has uh, gone down a a peg. That's the biggest win of his career right now. It's going to be the biggest win of his career because since then, he has lost in every major fight he's had since. Uh, Of course, uh, Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, Joe Joyce, and he put up a great fight against Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce is just a better fighter. Joseph Parker has become a gatekeeper in the heavyweight division. He will never be a world champion again. He cannot beat Alexander Yusik. He cannot beat Tyson Fury. He cannot beat Deontay Wilder. He's already proven he can't beat Anthony Joshua. He fought a nondescript heavyweight in Jack Massey this past Saturday, and he tried his best to knock out Massey early. Once he saw it wasn't gonna happen, he went and had a workman like ten round decision. Um, what's the future for Joseph Parker? Well, he is going to be uh, fed. He's got to be fed. Uh, I would love to see him in against a Jared Anderson, against a Effia Jokwe, against a Frank Sanchez. Would love to see him against. Uh, maybe somehow, some way, he could fight Daniel Dubois, and he beats Bois in my opinion, because bra is overrated. And he can win that bogus world title for Alphabet Soup trash title that Dubois has. But other than that, Joseph Parker, what you see is what you get. A guy with all the talent in the world at one point. He's no longer at his peak. And he's a solid win on your record for an up-and-coming heavyweight. He's a a gatekeeper. Now the shocking upset. Chris Eubank versus Liam Smith I do not know why boxers Continue To try and emulate Roy Jones' style I don't know why Roy Jones I love Roy. Roy One of the greatest fighters of all time According to my father Before Roy Before my father died in 2000 He said that Roy He thinks before Roy retires And I remember my father died in 2000 Roy was in his Prime and untouchable at that point My father thought that Roy was well on his way To becoming the greatest fighter of all time Or the greatest fighter he ever saw uh, My father felt that Roy was on that Ali and Shigray Robinson level When my father passed away in 2000 Roy is among the two or three greatest fighters I've seen in my lifetime Without a doubt You'll be uh, hearing of course A historical overview on his career Sometime in the spring (laughs) On this podcast It's going to be very long He had a tremendous career Even though the last Man The last 10 to 15 years of his career He had no business fighting But other than that Legendary fighter One of the greatest fighters that ever lived As a trainer Nah He's got to stop having these guys Try and emulate his style Chris Eubank. Nothing was broken. Chris Eubank was setting himself up for big paydays as a middleweight contender. He had an opportunity to become a middleweight champion in what is right now the worst period in the history of that story division. Saturday night in England, he goes out and he copies Roy Jones style in the first three rounds. He dominates against Liam Smith. and early in the fourth round, trapped up against the ropes, Liam Smith lands a beautiful left uppercut right cross combination. Staggers! Eubank Jr. Eubank Jr.'s goofy goes down. Eubank Jr. gets back up, gets dropped again. Referee stops the fight. Fourth round, shocking upset for Liam Smith. One of the first... Big upsets of 2023. Chris Eubank st- takes a huge step back in his career. And I like Chris Eubank. I loved his father. Chris Eubank Sr., one of my all-time favorite British fighters. The man had a great career. and He belongs in the International Box Hall of Fame. Just like Nigel Bennett and Steve Collins, in my opinion. Chris Eubank Jr. career is in jeopardy right now. Uh, he needs to abandon First thing he needs to do is tell Roy... Thanks for the services. I idolized you, but you got to go. And maybe his father needs to take bigger control of Junior's career. Because right now, it's in major danger of becoming, he's in major danger of becoming like Joseph Parker, a gatekeeper at 160 pounds. Now, some boxing news. Charlo was forced to uh, pull out of his fight against Tim Zoo, uh this this month. It was supposed to, I believe it was it was supposed to be uh, this coming week they were supposed to fight, but Charlo got hurt and he had to pull out. And so, for one of them bullshit WBO interim titles, I hate that fucking shit. Just call it what it is, a title eliminator. Tim Zhu will fight Tony Superbad Harrison March 12th. The winner to fight Charlo. Tony Harris is the only man to officially beat Charlo. Tony Harrison gave Charlo hell in two fights. I thought Charlo won the first fight, and I thought Harrison was winning the second fight till he got caught late and got knocked out. Either way, um, Tony Harrison has fought damn near everybody, 154 pounds. He fights everybody, and he's also one of the great young up-and-coming trainers in the sport as witnessed by the greatness he's done with developing Alicia Baumgartner into one of the best female fighters on the planet. So Tony Harrison, even though he's already got a career in line after boxing as a trainer, as he is revitalizing Detroit boxing with his Super Bad gym, he's still got a lot of... Tank left as a as a fighter and he is alive on the dog against Tim Zoo. I will talk about that fight more in detail the week the fight comes up. So, I'm looking forward to that fight. Exciting matchup. Tim Zoo finally fighting a real fighter cuz he fought a bunch of bums to get to Charlo. Well, now he's got to prove himself. So sometimes A positive can come out of negative, the negative being Charlo's injury. The positive is if Zoo knocks out Harrison and is impressive, oh, man, I got to give it to him. But if he struggles and wins by a controversial decision or gets beat outright by Harrison, he takes a step back in his career. So everything is on the line March 12th. For Tim Zoo early in his professional career, and finally, it's official: Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia will be fighting each other. It looks like April fifteenth. This fight is pending because in a few weeks, Tank Davis goes on trial for a uh, for an alleged hit and run incident. So we will see what happens. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he comes out of that trial unscathed and not convicted and his fight with ryan garcia could happen exciting matchup intriguing matchup two of the biggest punches in the sport today going at at each other this is an intriguing matchup and i'll talk more about it if and when it happens in april
0: nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away
1: Now on to my Ask Rob Silver segment. For those who don't know or first-time listeners, every episode I have a segment called Ask Rob Silver, which I answer questions, mostly boxing, but if you want to ask baseball questions about TV, music, movies, women, I'll try my best to answer them. Um, You can ask those questions on Twitter, Hashtag Ask Rob Silver. and the first question is from my uh, longtime listener. My brother has been listening to my podcast since damn near I started doing the podcast. Not this podcast, but another boxing podcast back in 2011. My buddy Jody, Jody from New Orleans. What's up, Jody? Jody asks. If Don King was still a major promoter, what's the likelihood that we get all the big fights that we're not getting these days? Don King was a crook, but the man put on some great fights. If Don let me, let me answer this question this way: if Don King, if you take out PBC, if you take out Al Heyman, Sam Watson, and Floyd Mayweather, and replace those three with just Don King. And let's say Don King, a 60 year old Don King, not the decrepit, washed up promoter that he is today who barely has any fighters. But the Don King of the Don King of 30 years ago, if you replace PBC with Don King, let's say Don King had Errol Spence, had the Charlos, had all the great had all the great fighters at his at his disposal, just like al hayman and sam watson and Leonard ellaby and floyd mayweather has at pbc he'd get these fights done and he wouldn't even have to go outside of pbc you would see a tank davis versus ghost martin match you would see charlo versus benavidez charlo versus plant uh and you would and he would Make every effort he could to get Canelo Alvarez in the ring with David Benavidez or Charlo or Andrade. You would have an Andrade versus David Morrell fight. All those fighters at PBC's disposal, if they were in Don King's disposal, and Don King was the promoter instead of those three, a 60-year-old Don King from 30 years ago, you'd have major pay-per-views worth the price that you're paying today. I don't pay shit for these pay-per-views. I rob all of them. I steal each and every one of them. I'm not spending $80 to see Tag David fight a bum in a month. But if Don King... Now, I still wouldn't spend $80 because I'm a frugal bastard. But And when Don King was on top, I had the illegal black box and I was watching those fights for free anyway. But the casual fan will come out and spend that money and, and because Don King would showcase these fighters all the time against each other while robbing them at the same time (laughs) (laughs) thanks for the question johnny that was an easy 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 answer all right hey sue salas a loyal listener and and damn near weekly contributor to the ask rob silver segment goes Esteban de Jesus could be a far better boxer than he was. Drugs derailed of what could have been a hell of a career. He asked me, "Top five boxers who were extremely talented yet drugs, booze, or any bad habits derailed their career?" This is a question that is, has a long, long, long line of, of, of uh, fighters that fit the description, but I'll just go with five fighters off the top of my head. All right. Esteban de Jesus, who you mentioned is definitely one of them, was the first man to, to defeat uh, Roberto Duran. And you can hear all about the night of that fight. It's on my Patreon Fight Game Media page. It's one of the greatest upsets that I talked about in boxing history. Um, my father attended that fight that night. And when he came home, he told me everything about what happened that night. And. I talk about that and I talk about how Esteban de Jesus Fought the fight of his life He fought brilliantly that night But then drugs Alcohol, women Led to a uh, to a life That eventually ended in him dying of AIDS At a very young age With Roberto Durant at his Bedside hugging him And telling him he loved him Despite the fact that they fought three wars So Esteban de Jesus Is definitely one of those five he was trained by Gregorio Benitez. Gregorio Benitez's son, Wilfredo Benitez. Wilfred Benitez, also one of the five greatest fighters whose career was derailed by drugs. Wilfred Benitez is easily the greatest naturally gifted Puerto Rican fighter that ever lived. Period. End of story. As great as Hector Camacho, Carlos Ortiz, Ivan Calderón. Um Wilfredo Gomez, Felix Tito Trinidad, as great as those fighters were, and they were all great, all in the Hall of Fame. None of them were as naturally gifted as Wilfred Benitez. Wilfred Benitez. Wilfred Benitez, one of the greatest defensive fighters that ever lived. I remember the night he beat Antonio Cervantes. Wilfred Benitez. What a beautiful boxer. Such a beautiful, handsome man. Wilfred Benitez was a very good-looking young man. He was a world champion at 17, youngest champion that ever lived. And that record will never be broken because in the United States, you can't box until you're 18. But he got money, fame too soon. Uh, He was engaged to Sugar Ray Leonard's sister before him and Sugar Ray Leonard fought each other in 1979. Lost to Sugar Ray Leonard, and then little by little, his career began to derail out of control because of women and cocaine and alcohol. By the age of 24, he was washed up, and Benitez has been near death for damn near 20 years. He's barely holding on, and that's due to a lifestyle that has all but destroyed his life, and it destroyed his career. Uh, Benitez should have been one of the 10 greatest fighters that ever lived. He was that naturally talented. Aaron Pryor. The only thing that ever beat Aaron Pryor was crack. Aaron Pryor was the greatest junior welterweight of all time. I will be doing a show on Aaron Pryor, historical overview, in the next few weeks. He's one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen in my lifetime. He... Could have had an argument for being the greatest fighter that ever lived if it wasn't for crack. A uh, crack cocaine led to him being half blind by the end of his career and losing to a guy named Bobby Joe Young that had no business that wasn't a pimple on Pryor's ass talent wise in Pryor's prime. And Pryor was also washed up by 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 his early his late twenties to early thirties. Um. Aaron Pryor. Then Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker. Another one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. One of the three greatest defensive fighters that ever lived. You can make an argument for him, Willie or Floyd Mayweather being the greatest defensive fighter of all time. I wouldn't argue with you guys if you said one of those three. That's the holy trinity of defense in boxing history. He became a, a Coke addict and an alcoholic. And. Even late in his career he failed a couple Of drug tests Had he not indulged in cocaine Imagine how much a greater Fighter Sweet Pea would have been He was already a great fighter Sweet Pea's career was stalled At the end because of drug use Look at his performance versus Diabas Hurtado. He struggled was getting his ass kicked, was dropped a couple of times First 10 rounds and he had a do one of the greatest come from behind knockouts in boxing history in the 11th round in order to retain his welterweight title, his WBC welterweight title, uh, I believe January 1997. Yeah, Pernell Whitaker and Pernell Whitaker looked listless against Felix Trinidad in 1999 because by that time, he was a shell of himself because of his cocaine use. So yeah, Pernell, Sweet P Whitaker number two. And and the the biggest Hector Macho Camacho, Camacho's use of cocaine totally destroyed his career. As as and you could also say Edwin Rosario. Those two unlinked together, both Puerto Rican, both having the greatest fight ever between two Puerto Ricans. A fight that I attended, June thirteenth, nineteen eighty six, in Madison Square Garden. A bigger, lightweight fight than any fight Lomachenko ever had at the Garden. All right? Y'all motherfuckers out there, ESPN, you could you can run that narrative into the ground. That night was a magical night in Madison Square Garden because it was two Puerto Ricans in their prime fighting each other. Edwin Rosario versus Hector Camacho. But Camacho began using cocaine, and it derailed his career. He became a runner, and it ended his life at the age of 50. As he was in the car with his drug dealing with his drug dealer when he was murdered. Sitting in the car. Now on to the next question. Great question, Jesus, as always, man. Great fucking question. Alright. Hey, Jesus has another question. He talks about how beautiful Rosie Perez was and is. And by the way, Rosie Perez, a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal boxing fan. One of the biggest boxing fans that ever lived. Rosie Perez, a boxing historian. Can you mention, the question Jesus asked, can you mention your favorite Spike Lee movies? He got game. This is in no order. He got game phenomenal movie in my opinion one of denzel's best acting jobs up until that point my parents and i while we considered denzel a good actor we hadn't considered him a great actor yet because he had played all the other roles but in our opinion he never played a street dude as authentically as a larry fishburne had done up until that point as a don Cheadle had done up until that point he got game He played a street dude My father was impressed I was impressed My mother was impressed Because my father Being a two time felon Saw Denzel Body the role Of a convict Trying to get his life together He got game Was Denzel Proving To myself And my parents That he's a goat actor And he's in my Mount Rushmore of Actors Since 1998 Another Malcolm X Another great Spike Lee movie Another Spike and Denzel collaboration Denzel embodied the spirit of Malcolm X Throughout that entire movie He bodied that role Uh, The only guy that's, in my opinion Done a better job of playing Malcolm X Is the brother that used to play him on... Godfather Harlem and, and forgive me God forgive me I forgot the brother's name Early signs of dementia But that man First two seasons Body Malcolm X As great if not better Than Denzel Washington But I digress Malcolm X Definitely one of the five Greatest Spike Lee movies Of all time I'm gonna save my The, the best What I consider the best For last well, There's two others Before I mention the last one So we've got Malcolm X He got game what was another one of my uh, top five? And Spike Lee's had a lot of bad movies and he's had a lot of overrated movies, but he's had a lot of great gems. I loved Clockers. Love Clockers. Uh, Delroy Lindo and Mackay Pfeiffer were phenomenal in that movie. Uh, Jungle Fever, tremendous movie. Wesley proved he can act his ass off in Jungle Fever. Great, great fucking movie. And my favorite, and in my opinion, the greatest Spike Lee movie of all time, a fucking masterpiece. Speaking of Rosie Perez, do the right thing. Beginning with uh, Rosie's incredible dance performance at the beginning of the movie, up until the climatic scene in which Radio Raheem gets brutally murdered by the police, and then... The riot, the burning down of Sal's Pizzeria. Five-star classic and should have won Oscar for Best Picture. Not that fucking bullshit, My Left Foot. Get that left foot, break it off, and throw it out the fucking window. Do the Right Thing was the best movie of 1989 and one of the greatest movies that ever was created. It depicted 1988 bed Brooklyn, Perfectly, flawlessly. And I had a lot of friends that worked on that um, movie shoot. Shout out to my longtime friend, Audra Smith. We graduated from high school back in 86. She was part of the movie crew. Um, So, yeah, uh, do the right thing, in my opinion. The single greatest movie historically in Spike Lee, the legend Spike Lee's career. Now, that's it for the questions, but I've got a couple answers to a question I asked to to, uh, two of my friends from the U.K. Um, Mark Wren, I asked Mark Wren, where was Nigel Ben, where is Nigel Ben listed among the most popular fighters in U.K. history? And this is uh, Wren's response. Ben was definitely one of the most popular British boxers of all time. In his opinion, the top would be Frank Bruno, Henry Cooper, Ricky Ricky Hatton, Joe Calzaghe, and Cam Buchanan. Mark Wren also states, Tyson Fury is very divisive among fans. Anthony Joshua, possibly more popular. Mark Wren, long-time listener. I knew this guy from when I first started doing podcasts in 2011. Met him when he came to visit New York one time. A gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate that great answer big man thank you now luigi pelosi also answered the question and he goes i believe ben is very highly rated and loved by the british although as a foreigner here per- perhaps i am not the best person to ask my personal five favorites from the uk in order are ben lennox lewis joe Saggi." Nassim Hamed and Chris Eubank Senior, and, and, and you know what? Lennox is, in my opinion, you know, I'm talking from what I've seen, and I don't think I don't think you can argue this. Since 1977, I believe Lennox Lewis the greatest British fighter of all time, and I think I got Joe Calzag- Calzaghi at number two. Hamed is in the International Boxing Hall of Fame and deservedly so. He dominated the featherweight division for a very long time before. Marco Antonio Barrera uh, gave him a boxing lesson. And Chris Eubank Sr., I will tell you, Chris Eubank Sr. fought everybody. Chris Eubank Sr. was a warrior, great boxer, puncher. He doesn't get the due he deserves. Great come from behind victory against Nigel Ben, their first fight. And I thought the second fight that they scored a draw, Ben won. But that being said, Chris Eubank Sr., great fighter, great heart. Could outbox you, could outpunch you. The man was a great fighter. And it's a crime that we didn't get to see Eubank versus Roy Jones and James Tony. While I don't think he beats those guys, he gives those guys hell. It wouldn't have been an easy fight for either RJ or Lights Out. Now on to my eleventh greatest fighter of the last forty five years. My my historical overview of the Pac-Man, Manny Pacquiao's career. Manny Pacquiao was the first legendary fighter over the last 45 years that my father never had the opportunity to see fight. He didn't make his American television debut on HBO until June 23rd, 2001, 11 months after my father had passed away. My father would have loved seeing Manny fight. Manny's signature angles and constant pressure would have made my father smile in amazement He would have also picked apart his flaws by explaining to me the perfect styles to defeat such a whirlwind I also firmly believe that my father would have agreed with me Ranking Manny as the 11th greatest fighter of the last 45 years After 64 amateur fights, the young softball turned pro at the tender age of 16 in his native Philippines Manny won 23 of his first 24 fights that earned him his first world title fight just two weeks short of his 20th birthday. On December 4th, 1998, Manny knocked out WBC Flyweight Champion Chache Sakul in the eighth round on the reigning reigning champion's Thailand hometown to win his first world title. Nine months later, on September 17th, 1999, Manny went back to Thailand and lost his title via brutal third round knockout to thigh challenger Medgon Sinksarat, Pacquiao wouldn't lose again until five and a half years later. Less than two years after getting knocked out by Sinksarat, Manny migrated to America and hired Freddie Roach as his new trainer. As his new trainer, Roach redefined Manny's whirlwind Tasmanian Devil style offense to include utilization of dizzying angles that would accentuate his incredible hand and foot speed. Immediate dividends were paid off as Pacquiao destroyed Lalo Ledwaba via six-round stoppage in his very first fight in the, in the United States on June twenty third, 2001, to win the IBF 122-pound crown. After three successful defenses of the 122-pound title, Pacquiao moved up to 126 to face Mexican legend and ring featherweight champion Marco Antonio Barrera. He was the first legendary fighter man he would face in what i Undou- undoubtedly, I figured it would be a difficult fight for the Filipino softball I was completely wrong On November 15, 2003 Manny put on the first of many virtuoso performances Against legendary prize fighters Manny totally suffocated the cage Barrera Who was a 4-1 to favorite the entire evening The predominantly Mexican crowd in attendance at the San Antonio Alamodome Were in awe at how Barrera was easily manhandled By the speed and power of the Pac-Man Manny dropped Barrera twice Before Barrera's trainer Rudy Perez Entered the ring to stop the massacre A new boxing star had been birthed In his very next fight Pacquiao would engage in the birth Of one of the greatest rivalries In boxing history On the evening of May 8, 2004 Pacquiao faced another Mexican legend Juan Manuel Marquez Marquez was the WBA and IBF 126 pound champion and he was going up against the ring champion, Pacquiao. Pacquiao was expected to continue on his mercurial rise since coming to America a few years before. The first round was exactly what people expected. Manny came out like a house, of, house on fire, knocking Marquez down three times before somehow the champion survived the end of the round. Over the next few rounds, Marquez cleared his head and began to counter the aggressive Pacquiao with pinpoint right-cross counters. The fight ended in a draw, which showed just how great Marquez was in recovering from a seemingly insurmountable first round. Ten months later, Pacquiao moved up to 130 to face his third Mexican legend in less than two years. On March 19th, 2005, Manny faced the fading Eric Morales. I thought for sure Morales was going to be cannon father for the 26-year-old Pacquiao. I was shocked when Morales put on the performance of a lifetime— Over 12 hard-fought rounds, Morales neutralized Manny's aggression and speed by boxing from the outside and utilizing his great left jab. Morales, in the final great victory of his career, won the decision. Pacquiao gained vengeance against Morales twice in 2006 by violently knocking Morales out. Then, after winning decisions and subsequent rematches versus Barrera and Marquez, Manny and Roach decided to take his career to another level On December 6, 2008 Pacquiao moved all the way up to 147 pounds To face another legend And the most marketable fighter of the decade Oscar De La Hoya I thought for sure Oscar was too big and strong for Manny to have, a, to have a shot at winning Once again, the Pac-Man proved me wrong As he gave Oscar the worst beating of his storied career the fight was a one-sided, one-sided thrashing Until Oscar quit in his corner After round eight At this point in time The 29-year-old Pacquiao And the 31-year-old Floyd Mayweather Had become the two most marketable fighters on the planet It only made sense Both financially and historically For both these men to fight Unfortunately Both men allowed obstacles That would have that. Both men allowed obstacles To delay What could have been a memorable fight Had they fought right after Manny's one-sided shellacking, shellacking of De La Hoya. While negotiations stalled between Manny and Floyd, Pacquiao st- instead continued to fight the best available competition, not named Mayweather. Manny's next five fights saw him capture world titles at 140, 147, and 154, while destroying Ricky Hatton, Miguel Cotto, Antonio Margarito, and Shane Mosley. None of these fights were close to being competitive. He violently knocked out Hatton in the second round and brutalized the other three over 12 rounds. There seemed to be no stopping the now universally recognized greatest Filipino and Asian fighter of all time. However, once again, he fought his Achilles he fought his Achilles heel in Juan Manuel Marquez. On November 12, 2011, Pacquiao Marquez fought to a damn near standstill. Once again, the Filipino great Pacquiao won, this time via majority decision. Both men decided right away that they needed to fight a fourth time in order to decide once and for all who the superior fighter was. Before that fourth fight occurred, Pacquiao lost his WBA 147-pound title in one of the worst decisions in boxing history to Timothy Bradley, on June 9th, 2012. Manny, com- com- Manny completely outpunched, outhustled, and outfought Bradley, only to get fleeced out of his title by two of the three judges. Despite the highway robbery, Manny and Marquez decided to fight again for a fourth time on December 8th, 2012. As great as the first three fights were, the fourth and final fight between these two legends was easily the most action packed fight of the series. Marquez gave Manny hell because of his innate ability to counter Manny's relentless softball style with his accurate and punishing right cross Finally, Marquez knocked Manny down for the first time in the series with a crisp right cross in the third round Manny was able to get up and survive the round The fifth round was the single most scintillating round of the series Pacquiao landed his signature left cross early in the round to score a flash knockdown Marquez came roaring back and slugged it out with the Filipino legend for the rest of the round. Then came the the iconic moment of the fight. Round six saw Manny dominate for the entire round until right before the end of the round when he walked into one of the greatest right crosses ever landed in boxing history. Marquez's counter right cross was so accurate and potent that Manny was unconscious the second he was hit and fell face first to the canvas. Referee Kenny Bayless immediately stopped the fight as Pacquiao laid unconscious for several minutes It was one of the most momentous knockouts in boxing history Because of the rare occurrence of a legendary fighter like Manny getting put to sleep in that fashion It looked like the Marquez knockout would be the final blow to ending any potential dream match Between Pacquiao and Mayweather However, it was still a matchup fight fans desperately wanted to see happy Manny won his next three fights, including a very decisive rematch against Bradley. Finally, after over six years of obstacles, the dream fight finally took place on May second, two thousand and fifteen. The fight was anticlimactic to say the least. The evening of the of the fight, my ex girlfriend at the time took me to to the downtown Brooklyn nightclub Milk River to see the fight for my forty seventh birthday. The music, atmosphere, and food more than made up for Floyd's complete domination over a 36-year-old Pac-Man who was unable to penetrate his 37-year-old's opponent's still all-time legendary defensive defensive skills. I had Floyd easily winning 10 of the 12 rounds as he controlled the entire fight with his counter-punching precision and completely negated, ne- negated Manny's angles and aggression. The fight set a, a record pay-per-view buys of over $4 million, a record that will never be broken. Oh, and by the way, as soon as the fight ended, my lady gave me a victory and birthday lap dance on the couch we were sitting on. Manny fought seven times over the next six years. He had notable wins over Bradley in an unnecessary third fight, and convincing decisions over Adrian Broner and Keith Thurman, in- my uh, microphone got unplugged there for a second, so let me repeat the last statement. Manny fought seven times over the next six years. He had notable wins over Bradley in an, un- in an unnecessary third fight and convincing decisions over Adrian Broner and Keith Thurman in claiming the WBA 147-pound crown. He signed to fight the best 147-pound champion since Floyd retired. retired. Errol Spence on August 21st, 2021. Unfortunately, just days before the fight, Spence had to withdraw due to a severe eye injury that I felt he received during a near near fatal car accident two years prior. Jordanus Ugas instead stepped in as Spence's replacement and gave Manny a 12-round beating, similar to the one Terry Norris gave Sugar Ray Leonard 30 years ago. Manny's face was so disfigured that his wife had to feed him for the next several days with a spoon Wisely, this would be the final fight of Manny's iconic career Manny Pacquiao escaped extreme poverty while growing up in the Philippines to become the greatest athlete and cultural icon that country has ever produced He displayed sportsmanship on the same level as boxing great Alexis Arguello Never throughout his 26 year old 26 year fistic career did he ever embarrass himself, his country, or his, or his family? He fought damn near every great fighter between 122 to 147 pounds during the 20 years he fought while based in America. He would finally retire at the age of 42 with a spectacular record of 62 wins, 8 losses, 2 draws, and 39 knockouts. Despite being only five foot five, Manny dominated several men 4 inches or more taller than him. It is without question that he deserves his ranking. As the 11th greatest fighter of the last 45 years Before I end, uh, end the show I want to give a prediction of the big fight coming up this uh, weekend Saturday on ESPN Plus Arta B- Better BF defends his IBF Light Heavyweight Championship Against Anthony Yard Better BF by explosive knockouts sometimes be- Sometime between rounds Five to seven While Anthony Yard can punch And Anthony Yard's a decent fighter He got manhandled By a washed up Sergei Kovalev A few years ago There's no way in the world I could see Yard Stepping up and beating An Arthur Better BF Despite the fact that Better BF Defensively is flawed and his defense is shot But Better BF has hammers in both hands And Yard was knocked out by Kovalev, he's going to get knocked out by Better BF. So Better BF by knockout sometime between rounds five and seven. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, be blessed and be a blessing.